0: Good morning. My name is Maria Kochmeter, and on behalf of my SST groupies, I would like to welcome you to convocation this morning. We would like to share with you this morning what the standard SST experience looks like. Uh, Just kidding. We all knew that going into our experience, it would be our own and in some way different from one that anybody else has had. Through our stories and pictures, we hope to give you a glimpse of the very personal and individual experiences we had. So let's get started. First we'll hear a little bit about our first six weeks studying in Lima.
1: Good morning, everyone. I'm Jen, and I'm gonna just give kind of a brief outline about what we did while we stayed in Lima for the first six weeks we were there. Um, During a typical week, Monday through Wednesday, we had classes, so we'd all take the public buses to to a church where we had our classes every morning, and our rides are anywhere from 10 minutes to over an hour. And we'd have class, um, usually a guest speaker or some sort of workshop from about nine to twelve. And then we'd eat lunch and we'd either have um, a family cook for us or we would go out and um, buy food in the city. And then in the afternoon, we'd have another work, or we'd have Spanish class from one to five, um, Monday through Wednesday. And then our Thursdays and Fridays were filled with different service trips in different areas around and near Lima. Um, some things that we did on our service trips, um, the first week we went to a place called Villa Maria, um, which is on the outskirts of Lima um, where a lot of the really poor people live. And what they had done there, there was a project where the, there, around the whole town there just used to be trash heaps. And they had taken these trash heaps and converted them into gardens. So we spent a, a few hours working in the gardens, taking a tour of the gardens, talking with the people who worked there, and learning more about what they did. Another thing we did was we went to a Mont- Montessori school outside of Lima, and this was started by a nun from the United States. And she wanted to be able to provide a decent education for children from really, really poor families. So she. Um, she ran the school and we went there and we played with the kids, talked with, tried to teach them a little bit of English, helped the teachers, did some stuff for the school. We actually ended up spending the night there and we got to walk around um, some of the neighborhood where the kids lived and some of the kids lived in basically just a little tin box with their whole entire family. So it was really powerful to see where these kids were coming from. We also went to a hospital one weekend and took a tour of the hospital and saw the kinds of things that were going on there. Um, we also took a week-long trip to Cusco and Machu Picchu and some other surrounding areas around there. And while we were there, um, one service trip that we did was we fixed up some houses because there had been a flood earlier in the year that had destroyed a lot of, um, a lot of the area. And so we helped begin to lay the foundation for um, a, a man's house who had been completely destroyed and did some things like that. So that was our typical week in Lima. And now, Janae is going to come up and share about her service location, Ayacucho.
2: I'm Janae. Um, Peter, Martin, Kim Friesen, which she's in Ohio, but and Tani Delp. And I went to Ayacucho, which is located in the mountains. And Kim worked at a school and taught English. Peter and Tani worked at a clinic. And I worked there too, but it was a school as well. And I taught three to six-year-olds. One thing that I really enjoyed about SST is the relationships that I made not only with Goshen college students that I wouldn't normally have friendships with, but also some Peruvians. Um, One person I met that influenced me greatly was a woman that I would walk past every day in a valley behind my school. I started bringing her different stuff like food, clothing, and eventually a Bible in Quechua, which was her native language. Um, Her joy and excitement not only made me realize that I take little things for granted, but it also made me realize that I take God's word and the availability for granted. Through her tears and mine, we knew how much we both impacted each other and that meant a lot to me.
3: I'm Peter Martin, I'm a junior molecular biology major and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my service experience. So my service experience was unique in several ways. I've requested to participate in a clinical setting since I'm a pre-med student here. However, the manner in which I helped was vastly different than what I was expecting. I had not had any training whatsoever in medicine, and the very first day I arrived in Ayacucho, I was asked to prescribe a medication to an ailing patient. I frantically searched the cabinets with Tani to find something to give the patient, and we finally decided on a topical antibiotic. Tani and I looked at each other in disbelief, and from there on, our days were filled with similar adventures. I worked with a group of doctors from medical missions, specifically doctors from MMI and Mission USA. Most of the doctors that came down had no experience of speaking Spanish, but I had been speaking Spanish at that point for almost five years. I was not fluent, but I was certainly getting pretty close. Because of that, my host mother Raquel sent me to translate for doctors of all different specialties. I translated in obstetrics, pediatrics, internal medicine, and for some pre- and post-op patients. I saw all sorts of different ailments, but one story that particularly struck me was when a mother came in with her son. She wanted to schedule surgery for him because he had a cleft lift, but he was extremely malnourished. The doctor looked at me and told me I needed to tell the mother that her son could not have the surgery and that that she must instead take him to the local hospital to receive more nutrition. She started to tear up as I tried to explain to her that we could not let her do the surgery, and she pleaded with the doctor in Spanish, asking if there was any way we could help. There was nothing we could do to help her, and we had to send her away with nothing. This moment has stuck with me, and I will likely never forget it. In addition to that moment, every time I walked out of the office with the doctor, I was bombarded with questions, with every patient asking me for a moment of my time. The doctors would occasionally get frustrated with me for taking so long, but I could not simply walk away from worried families. In addition, I was one of the few people that put the patient's minds at ease since I was one of the few people that actually spoke Spanish and could relate to them a little bit better. These sorts of moments were difficult for me, but also very rewarding. However, not every day was filled with doom and gloom. Another laughable moment came when Tani, uh, one of the R- ER techs and I decided to play a little prank on one of the helpers we had. Jimmy was one of the doctor's sons, and he was doing urinalysis for most of the day. We decided to give him a new sample by taking some of the barley drink from lunch and putting it in a sample cup. The sample looked like dark urine and was pretty easy to do the prank with. He did the test and came back with a panicked look on his face. I think this person is pretty sick, he said, and Tony and I burst into laughter and told him he had done a urinalysis of some barley drink. Needless to say, we made fun of him quite a bit after that.
4: Hi, my name is Karina. Um, for my service, I was one of five students who was able to travel to the jungle in La Jen Zair, Naomi Kramer, Matt Lehman, and Greg Thiessen also did service there. Greg and Matt worked about 40 minutes away from the town. Um, on the other side of the mountain. They spent the first week picking coffee, and then after that, the remainder of their time was spent planning endangered rainforest trees. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jen <laughs> worked in a children's center, and she mainly worked with um, children one to two years old. And then Naomi worked in a health clinic and was able to help assist a doctor. My service experience, however, was a little bit more unique than this, or not more unique, sorry guys, um, but I actually had two service jobs. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I worked as a teacher assistant at a special education school. I worked with 16 to 18 year olds who were severely disabled. This was my first interaction with disabled individuals in any way, and I was expected to teach them in a foreign language. Needless to say, this was really challenging for me. However, after the first week working there, I learned to absolutely love it. Each one of my seven kids left an unforgettable impact on my life. Um, these students taught me the true meaning of joy and hard work. The effort that these students made every day to try to learn made my day. Even when they got frustrated, they found a way to smile through it all. This experience changed my life forever, realizing that if kids who work every day just to try to spell their name are filled with joy, so can I be. Um, my service experience didn't stop there, however. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I worked at a local hospital in La Merced in the pediatrics department. Being the summer before going into junior year of nursing, the service was really educational for me. However, it wasn't only educational. My normal day consisted of giving formula to newborns every two hours, giving meds to to all the other kids, and other random care needed by patients. I love this experience more than I can explain. In working in the hospital, I also learned many things about healthcare in a third world country. I was blessed to be able to provide formula to a certain baby every, every two hours for the entire six weeks that I worked there. This baby's mom lived outside of the town, deeper into the jungle, and didn't have the money for transportation to visit her own baby. Perf- by providing this necessity, food, I grew very close to this baby within the six weeks I was there. By the end of the six weeks, leaving this baby seemed, seemed impossible for me to do. I felt almost like I was deserting my own child. The last day I worked at the hospital, the mother and the father showed up at the hospital for the first time I had been there the entire six weeks. This was so meaningful to me. I was able to teach the baby's parents how to feed the baby through the NG tube and other ways to provide for the baby. This made me so much more at peace to leave. Through my service experience, I learned many things, more than I ever imagined in six weeks. I'll never forget the people that I met and the culture that I absorbed.
5: Hi,
6: my name is Matt Lehman. Uh, like Karina said, I, uh, Greg Thiessen and I spent uh, six weeks working in the jungle, picking coffee and planting trees. What she didn't say though was that we had what I'm sure was one of the most frightening and also beautiful service assignments. After three days of picking coffee, Greg and I were covered in bug bites and caterpillar stings because normally what would happen is, you, oh, a coffee bean, I think I'll go pick that. And as soon as you'd stick your hand underneath the leaf, the caterpillar living there would sting you. Ouch. And so after telling our host dad this, he kind of smiled a little bit and said, oh, come here, come here. And he shows us another caterpillar. It's about that long and white and tells us that that caterpillar will kill a grown person in 10 hours. All right, all right, okay. He also told us that uh, there are 150 species of snakes native to Peru, but said, oh, don't worry, only 30, 35 or so of them are poisonous. Normally this would be comforting, but I come from Ohio where zero snakes are poisonous. <laughs> However, after telling him that, our host dad said, oh, don't worry, the, uh, the hospital's only one hour away, so you probably won't die. As for the beauty, though, uh, Greg and I finished our work three days early. And so our host dad took us to Pampa Hermosa, which is a nature reserve that was 14 miles away. Uh, We hiked the whole thing in one day and got there after dark. And when we awoke, we, uh, yeah, it was pretty fantastic. There were waterfalls and trees that were 600 years old, um, and just incredible wildlife. I, yeah, I can't even describe it or do it justice with words. Uh, The entire service assignment was a great exploration of nature, hospitality of our host dad, and and what it means to take two showers a week in a cold stream. It was fantastic. Thank you. Great,
4: now we are gonna do a skit for you guys. It's called Gringos Say the silliest things, and just kind of an example of all of the mistakes we made using Spanish. Buenos
0: dias, damas y caballeros. Tenemos un buen skate que se llama Los Gringos Dicen Las Cosas Mas Graciosas. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We have a skit for you called Gringos Say the Darnest Things. This is a skit that we did at our Despedida um, when we came to the end of our time studying in Lima that we had with our families. We have a few examples of some funny mistakes that we made in our attempts to communicate with our families. Our first blooper happened between Caleb and his host mother.
7: Hola, Caleb. Hola, hermana. (laughs) <laughs> Me gusta tu alfombra.
1: ¿Okay?
7: Me gusta tu alfombra.
1: Caleb, <laughs> <laughs> esta no es una alfombra. Esta es una chalina. Esta es una alfombra.
0: <laughs> oh, Caleb, no es una alfombra. Chalina, alfombra, doesn't even sound the same. Next, we have an example of how our, most of our first conversations went with our host families. Janet,
7: ¿quieres
3: comer en
4: una chifa o en una
2: pizzeria?
0: Sí. ¿Prefieres <laughs> <laughs> um, quieren estos, estos restaurantes? Um, sí. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ¿Sabes lo que quiero? Sí. Ah, uh, sí, sí. Oh, Janae, no entendiste. You did not understand. Nice try, though. Our next slip up occurred one night, after one night after one night out in the district of Lima known as Barranco.
6: Disfrutaste la noche? Sí, pues. Uh, yo salí con mi grupo por un rato. Oh, qué bueno. ¿A dónde fuiste? Uh, fuimos, uh, fuimos a. Fuimos a Barracho.
8: Um, creo que intentaste decir barranco, no Baracho.
0: <laughs> so basically, what just happened is we went out to the district of Lima called Barranco, and Matt went home to his family and told him that he went to barracho, which is drunk, um, not a district of Lima. So, a little bit of a slip up. His family was kind of wondering what he was doing that night, but yeah. All right, our final blooper is our dearest Gregorio, trying to explain his future plans.
9: Que carrera te gustaría hacer en el futuro?
8: Pues uh, yo estudio yo física y biología. Entonces, después de la universidad, yo quiero estudiar uh, ingeniería biomédica en la Universidad Postgrado. Por ejemplo, quiero hacer, como se dice, uh, prostitutas.
9: ¿Qué dices? ¿Quieres hacer prostitutas?
3: Oh, no, 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 no. Lo que quería decir fue: yo quiero,
6: yo quiero crear protests. Oh.
0: Ay, ay, ay. Gregorio wants to make prostitutes. What's he learning at Goshen College? Well, as you can see, language can be a bit of a barrier at times, but it makes some great stories and we are all better off for those language experiences that we had.
4: Hi, my name is Swords and truber and I went on service with Caleb Hostetler and Kayla Grable. We went to a small town in the mountains called Tarma and um, we worked in a school called Faye Alegria with an Australian nun who was in contact with people in England who gave funds to the school. Um, at the school, me and Caleb worked in a garden, mostly planting flowers, but also doing small jobs around the school that they needed to be done for their projects. And Kayla worked more directly with the students, helping them read and write and do their schoolwork. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about what we did there.
7: All right, and I'm Caleb, host at she said, a junior as well. And I was gonna share with you two uh, the memories that stand out to me the most from my time in Tarma, And the first is just something became quickly evident when I was at the school. And that was that all the kids were very, very energetic and loved to see us and loved to play with the big green gringos that were around. And all the kids also showed promise, but there was also multiple kids in each of the classes that were definitely left behind in some situations. And Kayla actually got a chance to work with them a lot more closely, but I worked with them in some of the computer classes, which was also just amazing, the fact that they had little four-year-olds in a third world country working on computers already. It was just amazing to see how far that's progressed already. But some of these kids just some of these kids just (laughs) uh just were really really far behind already socially and they didn't really get the advantages that we would normally see in the united states and that was always hard to see but when mar and i were out there working in the garden we would have one of these little boys the boy that was just holding upside down he would come out of class just the teachers didn't care that he left and he'd come out and help us and they decided that he was being more productive out there so he just, just got to stay with us. But he became really close to our hearts and you can tell he's in a couple, oh, he's up there again. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we just really enjoyed having him around even though he was pretty much just trouble. And then also the other memory that stands out, it was about a city of about 100,000 people, really, really condensed in. And there wasn't necessarily a whole lot to do. There was no real commercial aspect at all to the town, just little tiendas, restaurants, and stores around amongst the schools and houses there. But with not a whole lot to do, when stuff did come up, they did it big. And there was a lot of holidays we were there. We got a lot of four-day weeks. That was a real good bonus there during the summer. But one of the days... um, there was a Dia del Maestro, which they celebrated all the teachers that worked there, and then their Independence Day. And when they threw these parties, they were big. And they also really enjoyed to include us in on these when we had no clue what we were doing. Some of the pictures that you're showing are from when uh, the kids put on some show for Independence Day for all of us. And we were made sure to be included in every dance. And even though we didn't realize necessarily what going on or how to dance these, we were always included. And my favorite part was for this Dia del Maestro, we were put into their little celebration show that was actually broadcasted on Peruvian television. And we got a chance to dress up in these lovely costumes, which will probably appear pretty soon up there if they haven't already. And (laughs) maybe one more. Um, There we go. (laughs) We got to appear in these lovely things in Peruvian television. It was just a blast. For a guy who's scared of clowns, it just added something else in there. But it was just really fun, it was amazing to see how much they included us in everything that they did. Thanks.
5: Hi, I'm Minda, and this is Jonathan and Nate. And we were located in Chimbote with Maria. And Chimbote is on the coast. And um, when we got our service assignments, some of us wanted to go to the mountains. Some of us didn't really have a preference. But Kevin had talked up the coast, and yes, there's beaches. We got there, and it was a desert. And uh, (laughs) so we didn't know what to think. A desert, and and it smelled like fish. Um, We got used to that. But this place was actually a blessing to us. It's a very poor area. It has about 400,000 people in it. (laughs) And um, almost everyone is unemployed. Um, Some of the things that we got to do were we worked directly with a Catholic parish um, run by Father Jack and Sister Peggy, um, located in North Dakota. Um, Pretty pretty great characters. Uh, Father Jack reminds me of John Wayne when he speaks Spanish. And um, he just really showed us and taught us a lot about the community. And um, some of the things that we had to participate in in the parish was the kindergarten classes, helping with after-school programs, and starting up different programs like art and the prevention centers.
9: I'm Jonathan Hershberger, the senior, not to be confused with the sophomore. Um, As Minda said, I was also in Chimbote. And I just wanted to share a story about just a cultural experience we had one of our first weeks there. Um, the first week we were there, we were invited to attend a funeral of an elderly woman who had died um, that week. And we thought it would be a really interesting thing to experience a Peruvian funeral. And also we were working with a Catholic organization and none of us that were there were Catholic. And so we thought that would also be a good experience. Um, so Father Jack, the priest, t- um, put us in char- put Mind and I in charge of holding the holy water throughout the whole service. And we aren't Catholic, so we didn't really know what to do with that. And I also wasn't sure if it was like socially accept- acceptable to have someone who wasn't from the community to be holding the holy water throughout the whole thing. So I was kind of trying to hide it, keeping it down low as I was standing. <laughs> and in that process, I also ended up spilling a bunch of holy water on myself, so I'm not really sure what that means. <laughs> um, but we made it through the whole service and he hadn't called us up to do anything. And so I was just wondering if I'd like missed some cue or something or didn't understand the Spanish, but he didn't seem upset about that. So um, so in the States we have a processional with cars usually, but a lot of people there in Chimbote don't drive or don't own a car. So they walked to the burial site. Um, and so Mind and I were still holding on to these little like cups, containers of holy water. Um, and we made it to the burial site. and. This woman must have been really well known because there were just a ton of people there. And I tended to be taller than most Peruvians and I also stuck out a lot. And so I kind of tried to stay towards the back because I didn't know this woman. I had just gotten there that week. I didn't really want to stick out. But I also had this holy water that I knew Father Jack was going to need at some point. So I just felt kind of awkward. And didn't really know what to do. Um, but I ended up working out. He just walked over to me, grabbed the holy water when he needed it. He blessed the burial site and then we found out the, um, the cemetery people had sent us to the wrong place, and so we had to go and go through the whole process again, but it ended up being a really good experience. Um, it was really neat to see the community come together like that, and yeah, like Minda said, the community around, um, centered around the parish was just really powerful, and I'm really glad I got to experience that.
8: Hi, my name is Nathan Vader. I was also in Chimbote, and I actually didn't buy this hat in Peru. I found it outside the student apartment. So if you own it, please come talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I was in Chimbote, I lived with a very, very kind, wonderful, and generous host family. And um, my host family, upon arriving, decided three things. (coughs) The first thing they decided was that I was too skinny. The second thing they decided is that I didn't know how to get around anywhere. And the third thing they decided was that I needed a haircut at some point. And so um, to fix the first one, the fact that I was too skinny, my host mom served me what I think was about half a plate of rice and potatoes and quite a bit of meat for, for dinner every, and lunch every single day. And um, I'm telling you, by about the second half of the plate, it felt a little bit like running a marathon. Um it was it was a workout for sure, and it was a workout that made me uh, fatter. <laughs> but the truth is, is that I really, really appreciated it because the food was wonderful and um, she was so, so generous in the way that she offered it to me and, um, and, and and for everything that she did for me. I actually slept on the roof of their house, um, next to a guinea pig pen and a chicken pen. And at night, the guinea pigs would squeal very loudly, and the crows or the um, the rooster would sing at five o'clock in every morning, outside of my room. And um, me and my brother would oftentimes play soccer up there on the roof together. He was ten years old. He was really cute. So the second thing that my host mom decided was that I had no idea how to get anywhere. And so when I would leave my house every morning. Um, to go to the parish, the parish was straight ahead on the same street that I lived on, about three blocks ahead. But even when I went out every morning, she would still say, Natan, de frente, de frente. She would point every single morning the entire time I was there. And she assumed that at some point, I would just decide that I wanted to make a turn and that you know maybe the parish was on another street today. I don't know. But I mean, she was worried and she was concerned about my well-being and I am a very directionally challenged person. So I was very glad that she was looking out for me. Um, so the third thing she decided was that I was kind of getting kind of shaggy and that I needed a haircut and especially if I was going to go home to my mom, I had to go or to my parents, I had to go home fat, I had to go home with a good haircut and I had to go home with a better sense of direction and so she decided to take me to get a haircut and um, she took me to get this haircut and she only paid four soles for it and um, it was just and, and she paid for it for me and that was really really generous and it was a it was a really nice haircut, and I chatted with the woman who was giving it to me the entire time. And um, when I came back, she told me, "Not that you need to you need to wash your your hair now. You need to make sure that um, you don't have loose hair in your head because we're gonna you're gonna go sing for for the mass tonight, and you need to make sure that you look your best." And I said, "Okay." And so I went to the sink, and I I leaned down and I started running the water and I started scrubbing scrubbing my head. And as soon as I had my eyes shut and I started lifting my hands toward my scalp, I felt a pair of hands digging into my head, scrubbing my scalp clean, scrubbing my hair clean, and I realized that the (laughs) hands belonged to my host mother. (laughs) And she was giving me a scalp massage, (laughs) and it felt really, really good, and I, I was just I just knew at that moment, I was leaving the next day, and I knew at that moment that I was really going to miss this family. I was going to miss my, <laughs> my 10-year-old host brother. and I was, going to miss, I was going to miss everything about that place. And um, when I was leaving, they told me uh, not to forget, not to forget them, not to forget uh, Chimbote, and I don't think I ever will.
0: a slideshow of our time in Peru <laughs> I hope you have enjoyed the Peruvian memories that we've shared with you this morning. Um, I would like to take a moment to thank Kevin and Heather Gary, our leaders, um, while we were down in Peru. Thank you for helping to make the experience a really wonderful one for all of us. Uh, Thank you so much for your attention this morning. Um, You are dismissed, but wait, we have a video? Uh, Well, we have two videos, and they're really amazing and awesome, and you probably want to see them, so you should stay and see Kevin's dance moves, and then see our dance moves after that. Or it's the other way around. So you should totally stay because Kevin's dance moves are really cool and you wanna see them. All right, so we have some videos of our dancing for you guys. When you're pretty
7: good. What you are just <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you.
3: Pretty <laughs>